0: Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, April 19th, 2021. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors, coming to you with my weekly economic and financial market commentary. As a reminder, in addition to getting this as an email with a link or clicking on our website, you may subscribe to this as a podcast. The official title is Slaying Bulls and Bears, try to make the complex and complicated simple and sensical. This presentation is designed for use with both financial advisors, by both financial advisors and individual investors. Of course, each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for purchase or sale of any securities. Everything you're seeing and or hearing is purely for informational purposes only. Let's start with the fact that equities continue to rise significantly. Mid-cap stocks led the U.S. contingent last week up almost 2%, 1.91%. The S&P 500, the big boys and girls, up about 1.4%, S&P small-cap stocks up 1%. This as we just got into the first week, the beginning week of earnings season. I'm going to get back to this in a little bit, why this is important that if we went up in this first week of earnings season. International markets starting to participate. You can see the EFI, Europe, Australia, Far East, Asia index up about 1.7%. And we've been emerging markets participating up about 3 quarters of a percent, all strong positives for the year, double digits in the U.S. with small cap leading the way up 21%. Interestingly, you know, we had had that run higher in, in treasury yields that sort of paused the market rally. I wouldn't even say spooked the market, it just paused the market rally for about a couple of weeks. And that rise in treasury yields has not only stopped, in a sense, it's reversed a little bit. We'll touch on that throughout the podcast or the commentary this week as well. That drove the aggregate bond index almost a third, more than a third of a percent higher last week. Long-dated treasuries really had a run. They're up about 1.5% on the week. So what's going on? First of all, the economic data continues to really surprise to the upside, really strong, better than expected, estimates getting revised higher. And in addition to that, the corporate earnings season, which began last week, also much, much better, not a little bit, much better than expected. And the expectations were pretty high. Let's start with the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Last week they reported for the month of March that their index rose from 95.8 to 98.2, a little bit below expectations. But when you read through, you see that hiring, sales, expectations for the future also continued to drive the index to these high heights. Not as high as it's been, it was higher back in you know, a couple of years ago, but turning higher now. One of the things I got out of the report that was impressive was that uh, almost a fourth, 22% of employers, say they anticipate adding jobs. This is the thing the economy needs. Corporate earnings are going back up, financial markets are going back up, asset prices are going back up, employment has lagged. It, It does normally coming out of a recession, but because of the forced restriction of supply. Remember, aggregate demand was never in question during this recession but the shutdown of economic activity really caused uh, unemployment to, take a, to, to go take a turn for the worse, and it has yet to fully recover. We still have about eight or nine million Americans employed less than we had at the beginning of the COVID-related re- recession. Reports from uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics last week on the Consumer Price Index, you can see prices really starting to go higher I, I You know, anecdotally, I think it's even worse than we see here, but we have to go with some official data. The CPI rose six-tenths of a percent, is now 2.6% higher than a year ago. Core consumer prices, which backs out food and energy because they are very volatile, is up 1.6% year over year. That's the red you see here, and the blue certainly is bringing the red higher, I would say. The green dash line you see going across the screen, that's the Fed's target for core inflation, 2%, 2% target. So we're we're above that on nominal. We're below it on core. Fed says we're going to let it go. We're not worried about preemptively raising rates this time. It's the first time in my career. I'm not a young man. It's the first time in my career that the Fed has said we're not worried about inflation. We will not preemptively raise rates to fight it. In fact, we're going to let it go ahead if it means getting the jobs numbers up, the aforementioned jobs numbers, where we still have about 9 million Americans out of work. So all of the the monetary stimulus, uh, all of the increased economic activity as a result of the slow openings, or the now getting more quick openings, uh, we're seeing prices of everything go higher. Import prices rose 1.2% in March. Um, Export prices gained 2.1%. You can see that on the graph here. Perhaps the very best news of the week was the regular Thursday claims for unemployment. Every Thursday morning at 5.30 Pacific time, we get the report from the Department of Labor that says how many people filed an initial claim for unemployment in the prior week, meaning people that got laid off. And when that number gets below say 300,000, you know that the job market is strong. People are getting hired. And in a country the size of the U.S., having, say, sub-300,000 people laid off in a week, that is just a good number. Obviously, we don't want anybody laid off, but that's a great number for the economy. We had gotten down to the low twos prior to the COVID pandemic. You see on the graph here, um, we had numbers at 230, 220, 235. Then obviously we jumped up to six million a week, and we've been coming down steadily ever since. But we had been really stuck at about seven hundred and fifty thousand, about three quarters of a million people every week. This is the reason the Fed just says not anytime soon. But last week a break lower, you can see that down to five seventy six. We really, really want this to continue. That's still not a good number. It's just a less horrible number. Than what we've been experiencing really for a full year. And again, this is why the Fed doesn't, this is why they've said jobs are more important than inflation. And remember, when the Fed got that job, they got the job of inflation, price stability, and the job of full employment. Since they got that, there's sort of been an unwritten rule that the inflation or price stability mandate trumped the jobs mandate. It was more important. They've reversed that now to understanding market positioning one of the reasons we continue to be bullish we continue to be overweight equities retail sales numbers on the reopening were expected to have a massive jump in march of 5.8 stimulus checks stimulus checks are meant to be spent they were spent and much more than expected retail sales actually jumped 9.8 percent think about the country the size the United States and the economy, the size of the United States to have retail sales surge almost 10% in a month. Obviously reopening is the reason restaurant sales rose 13.4% uh, in the month of March. Uh, total value of sales were well above where they were in February of last year. That's prior to the full shutdown in all 13 retail categories, the exception of course being restaurants as we're starting to see some impacts in February of 2020 on the restaurant side. Great, great number, very happy to see it. Uh, Moving on to some of the regional manufacturing data we got last week, we got both Philly Fed and Empire State. So that's the New York region and the Philadelphia region. Uh, Let's start with New York. The index rose from a very strong 17.4 in March to an April reading of uh, 26.3, well above the estimate of 20 new orders surged from 9 to 27 employment rose to a strong 13.9 yay great news confirmed by the philly fed survey the april philly fed survey rose from 44.5 to 50.2 now this is these surveys the line of delineation is zero not 50 it's zero so anything above zero means the economic activity expanded Something as high as fifty I, I I'd have to go back and look, but I don't ever remember a number north of fifty coming out of um, Philly Fed survey. New orders there, down a tad, but at very high thirty six. Employment rose robustly to almost thirty one industrial production uh, reported last week for the month of March uh rebounded up one point four percent after a little bit of a drop in uh in February. Capacity utilization rose a little bit. I, I would have expected more, quite frankly, from industrial production and capacity utilization last week. I did expect more. So I was a little surprised by that number. I, I'm not ready to, you know, scream foul or there's a problem or anything, but I did, I, I was surprised. I did think that number would be a little bit better. Um, U.S. businesses also reported last week that they're continuing to increase inventories. That's a sign of confidence, not a sign of sales backing out the back end. You saw, for example, retail sales. Wholesale sales have been very strong as well. So, increasing inventory when your sales are terrible, obviously, that's a bad sign. Increasing inventories while your sales are good, that's a sign of confidence in the economic recovery. So, we're very happy about that. Of course, we're pleased for that, uh, by that, as, um, as investors. You know, one of the markets, of course, that almost everybody's interested in is the housing market. You're either interested in it because you own a home or you're interested in it because you probably would like to own a home and you're trying to figure out a good time to buy, et cetera. The National Association of Home Builders puts out monthly a housing sentiment index. It's a sentiment of the builders, the people that build and offer homes for sale in April. That number rose to 83. I mean, we've, we've had now, what is it, Seven, eight months of just big numbers above 80, uh, anything above 50, It means the sentiment is positive. You see the big drop for a couple of months last year during the shutdown, huge rebound. Obviously, low interest rates were driving a lot of that, a lot of it driven by people realizing, maybe I'll be working from home forever or more often. Let's move to where we really want to live. And so a lot of things are happening in that housing market. But the bottom line is it's very strong. Prices are very strong because of a lack of inventory also, unfortunately because of inflationary pressures inside the building costs. Uh, lumber uh, is probably being talked about at every cocktail party in the country. People, even people that aren't in the housing industry are talking about how much the price of lumber has, uh, has gone up in the last year. In terms of uh, trying to get the supply out there to, to take some, uh, give a little relief to pricing, Uh, Housing starts rebounded uh, just 19.4% last month. They're expected to go up 13%. That's a month-over-month increase in the number of permits being pulled uh, pulled up almost 20%. Uh, That's just a big, big number. The actual ones being issued, um, I'm sorry, the starts, not permits. The starts up 19.4%, the permits up 2.7%. So uh, people are getting out there, uh, home builders are getting out there and building homes um, consumer sentiment that's put out for the month of April by the University of Michigan, it rose to 86.5, a little bit below expectations, but really coming up, not quite to the pre-pandemic levels where we were, we we're touching on 100, but certainly this is the highest post-pandemic, or I should say mid-pandemic, I know it's not over, uh, reading, uh, since, so there's really getting to be a little bit more optimism out there. And I keep talking about uh, economic surprises and uh, numbers that beat expectations. This graph here is one of my favorites because it tells me you know, what kind of directionally where we're headed. And what it is, it's the economic surprise index. It looks at an amalgamation of the economic data releases in a country. And if the number is above zero, it means on, on balance, the data being reported is exceeding that of the consensus of the economists and strategists who report into Bloomberg what their estimates are. So therefore you would say the surprises are positive. Anything above zero is great. Let's start with this yellow line down at the bottom. This is China. China has been flirting with this negative line really, really for um, a while, right? You can see here late, this is the end of the year, got down to zero. People were wondering when's China? Big, big surge up into positive territory. But still, that's a laggard. The gray here is the Asia-Pacific region as a whole. The blue here is is the United States. But look at the eurozone. I mean, it's coming down, but still, the number, the surprise data is quite good. The U.S. has been, you know, surprise data here all, all year long, really continues to surprise to the upside. That's the economic data. Let's talk about earnings, because earnings season began last week with the big financial names through Friday we have 42 of the S&P 500 names report. Now that's not big, but what is great is that 33 companies beat earnings, one met expectations and eight were a little bit below. Now this is really early going, don't want to make, you know, broad generalizations. You know, we kind of go by sector in some cases, you know, financials were big uh, last week, for example. Let's take a look at this. The bottom line is the financials absolutely destroyed the estimates. The funny thing is, you know, a lot of the analysts that make estimates on the financials, we work, we work for the financials. <laughs> so you would think we'd have a, a better, better track record in the financial sector than anywhere else. We've been in an industry we should seemingly understand the best. But the analysts couldn't have been further off. The benefits of the steepening yield curve that we experienced um, just manifested themselves in that spread income for banks. Banks just absolutely hit it out of the park. You know, the bluest of blue chip, the highest quality, J.P. Morgan, $4.50 versus an estimate of 301. That's 50% above the consensus estimate of the street. Goldman Sachs beat by about 85%, percent eighteen sixty dollars a share versus a $10 estimate. And even the perennial dog, right? Wells Fargo has been a dog. So much scandal, so many problems. Now everybody's saying, well, wow, maybe Wells Fargo's even turning it around, a buck five versus an estimate of 68 cents, good old city, 362 versus an estimate of 248. So of the companies that have reported so far, 77% have beat the sales estimate. That's the top line estimate. The bottom line, earnings, 80% have beat, and earnings are on track to grow for 30%. I've talked to you a week ago saying I thought earnings could exceed 25 And that was one of the biggest increases we've seen in over a decade. And I said it would be broad-based. In other words, it wouldn't just be tech. We haven't had any of the tech names. Those are in two weeks. That's when you get Apple, Microsoft, Amazon. Those big names are two weeks, not this week, but the following week. So, so far, even the ex-tech earnings are up about 30%. Companies are just going higher on the beats. And this is important. What do I mean by that? There's an old saying on Wall Street, buy the weakness, sell the strength. So people get confused. It's always frustrating, right? I, I invest in this company. Their earnings beat estimates. They hit it out of the park, but then the stock sells off. That's people saying, okay, I got what I expected. I'm going to take my profit and I'm going to move on. The traders, if you will. What we saw last week is as these companies beat, it wasn't, they weren't small beats. This wasn't a buy the rumor, sell the fact. These companies blew the doors off and, these, and so now they, they went higher on that. That's the sign of a bull market, right? So I simplify everything. A bull market is when things go higher, even on bad news. Now, we've had good news, but we, you know things are going higher. A bear market is when you have great earnings beats and great things happening, news is good, and the market still goes lower. Don't try to fight this market. I right? So many people ask me over the weekend at the golf course, at the cocktail parties, you know, everything's gone up too much. I'm worried I'm going to do this. I'm going to move my money. Hey, enjoy the ride. It's not over. This is a middle innings of a great, great, great baseball names. Speaking of that, the rest of the week, we've got 80 names coming out this week in reporting and 179 the following week. The next two weeks are going to be critical. I think moving out or taking profit ahead of this would be would be insane. Could we get a little blow off afterwards? Sure we could, that's normal. Hey, things have been going okay, we're up, take some profits, etc. cetera. Okay, let's follow that up with another reason to be positive. Uh, the US te- Treasury, yield. remember a couple of weeks ago, right? right you know, late like February through March, early April, the 10-year yield was, was, was continuing to rise and people were get, starting to get, you know, a little concerned. Is the risk-free yield getting more attractive? Should we rotate out of stocks into bonds? Should we, you know, just take some risk off the table? And then there was worries the 10-year was going to go to two and a half, three. I still think we're two and a quarter by the end of the year. That's 50 basis points higher than we were at the peak on March 31st at 174. But we've come all the way down here to 158, 159-ish this morning on the yield in the 10-year treasury. Again, comes down to the Fed. The Fed, you know, Chairman Powell was out there saying, well, you know, everybody's talking about when we're raising rates, when we're stopping asset purchases, we might increase asset purchases. That's what he said two weeks ago. And everybody said, what? What? And, of course, the yield in the 10-year treasury has gone down. In a sense, he used the bully pulpit because, you know, the ability to almost talk the markets down. He doesn't need to buy more 10-year tre- treasuries. Look, I'm bullish. I've been bullish for a while. The rest of the team here, Spencer and Glenn, we are bullish on on equities. Are there things that can go wrong? Absolutely, there are things that can go wrong. We're quite aware of them. Look, I think that um, a massive overhaul of our tax system is is possible with one-party control of the Congress and the executive branch, and that could have some serious negative impact on corporate earnings and growth, particularly just raising the corporate tax rate, you know, massive increase in regulation, putting putting European style structural burdens on American companies would be would be harmful. But I don't think selling because things have gone up is is ever makes sense. The reason you bought them is so they would go up. They went up, then this is good, right? And earnings are coming in, uh, good. I think there could be a black swan event, but there could always be a black swan event. One of my golf partners over the weekends is, I think there's going to be a black swan. I said, well, I said, Phil, a black swan is something that can't be predicted. How can you be predicted? You have to, you have, to have a certain event, right? So it could be you know, war, things can happen. So I always encourage investors, stay within your strategic risk profile. If you're a 70, 30 investor and you're bullish like me, maybe you go to 80. Well, if you're bearish, maybe you go down to 60. But the concept of all in, all out as an investor to me, is a fool's game. is it should never be considered for a serious investor. Okay, enough preaching. Uh, this week, not much in the way of economic data. It's all about earnings. Uh, nothing today, Tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, weekly claims, existing home sales. We've got some services number and, and a manufacturing number for market and new new home sales, um, you know, next week. so. That's all good. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to, uh, you know, you can subscribe uh, on our website to get the slides version, which I think are very valuable. If you want to you know, get us while you're driving, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, Player, Listener, all that good stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will be back to you again next week.